You know, it is not a feature of every faith to share their faith or to try to win converts. When we were in Lebanon a few months ago, we learned about the Druze faith, which is a, a religion that takes pieces from Christianity, pieces from, from uh, the Muslim faith. They, they also bring in Greek philosophy. It's just kind of an amalgamation of, of a lot of different pieces. But one of the distinguishing features of this religion is that they will not let anyone read their holy book until they reach the age of 40. And so their kids, as they are growing up, are exposed very little to, to this religion. And, and needless to say, like they kind of lose interest along the way. And what they're discovering is that they're, they're just losing a lot of people and they're trying to, they're kind of rethinking how they approach this because, you know, if you can't really learn about it, people are just moving on to, to other things. So in contrast to that, it is a cornerstone of the Christian faith to be sharing the good news about Jesus. And we, we want to be sharing the good news about Jesus because it is all about reconciliation. And when we see what's going on in, in our world, we, we see the desperate need for reconciliation. Reconciliation, first of all, between God and us. God bridged the gap that you and I cannot bridge to, to bring us back into relationship with, with him. And then reconciliation with one another. I mean, all the broken relationships that we see, the solution to that at, the, at its core is God's love for us expressed through, through Christ. And then even reconciliation within ourselves. We see so many disturbed people who are just broken inside of themselves. And so Jesus is the solution to all of that. So the, it, it, it behooves us to take every opportunity we can to be sharing with people who do not know about Christ. And so it's good when this is part of our everyday life and not just an event to share our faith. I think sometimes we think of it that way. Like I'm going to go on a trip some, to some other part of the world to share my faith, or I'm going to go on an, an outreach and I'm going to share my faith. I want us to, to think this morning about what it would look like to make sharing our faith just a part of our everyday life, to live every day as a witness for Jesus, every day, not just on special occasions. We're going to look at that this morning. If you take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 10. This series has been called uh, Love Outside of Our Walls. And there's nothing more loving than sharing our faith, sharing the hope of Christ with people who have never heard of Jesus. And so we're going to get to Romans 10 in just a moment, but I want to start with another text that is familiar uh, to many of us. These are some of the final words of Jesus from Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is known as the, the Great Commission. Jesus charged to his disciples. We sang a song uh, together about this. I want to clarify the first word in, in this passage, go. So a lot of times we see that word and we think in terms of, okay, that means we need to go. We need to leave where we're at and we need to go to a far place 
and, and take the good news about Jesus. Actually, a better translation of this is, as you are going, make disciples. So the, the imperative here, some of you know this, the imperative in this sentence is make disciples, which begins with sharing the good news about Christ, evangelizing, sharing the, the gospel. Um, but it's as you are going. So it's as you are going about your, your life. I mean, not all of us will go, certainly as career missionaries to another part of the world. Not all of us will even go on a trip to a far place, but all of us are going about life. All of us are going day by day, and we are walking by people. And sometimes we are walking right by our neighbors who have never heard of Christ to go on our way to, to share it with someone else who is far from us. And so Jesus' call is to live every day as a witness for Jesus. Just go as you, as you go about your life. When we, when we do this, what starts to happen is we view every opportunity, we view every business place as an opportunity to, to build a relationship with someone, to transition a conversation to spiritual things. We, we view every medical appointment. We, we can go into a, a doctor's office and just pray, God, might you open an opportunity for me? We're going to talk more about what that looks like a little bit later in the service. But it, it could look like the people who come to your home to repair things or if you have a, a lawn service. I mean, how do you bridge conversations from just the, the nuts and bolts of every day into talking about our, our faith? as we are going. Let's look at Romans 10, and I want to talk about how vital our role is in all of this. Romans 10, verse 13. Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So who will be saved? Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. I want to pause there because there are some people who criticize Christianity for being very exclusive. And I don't know how you can get more inclusive than saying everyone. I mean, the door is open for everyone, no matter what your background is, your education, your ethnicity, your IQ. Aren't we glad that there's not a standard for an IQ that we have to get in? I mean, the door is open for, for everyone. Now, God does put a condition on this. See, sometimes we confuse exclusivity with putting a condition on There is a condition and that condition is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Paul is quoting here the prophet Joel. And when Joel said this, he was talking about Yahweh, the true God. Everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh. Paul is taking that passage now and he's applying it to Jesus. We know that because if we back up to verse 9, he says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, we are now talking about because Jesus has come into the world and accomplished the work of reconciliation, we are now to call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. So there's no exclusion. No one is excluded from that invitation. But there is a condition on being able to, to be saved, to be able to experience that reconciliation. 
And we said a few weeks ago that in the book of Romans, if we had time to work the whole way through the book of Romans, the, the idea of salvation is very comprehensive. It, it starts with our past, that you and I can be saved from the penalty of our sin, that the, the judgment that we incur because we have fallen short of God's standard, that penalty Jesus took care of. We are being saved in the present from the power of sin. So you and I have the option to choose not to disobey God because of the work of Christ in our life. And we will be saved in the future from the presence of sin. I had, had the fun opportunity to sit in with uh, one of our men's groups on Thursday night. They just finished a study of Revelation, and we were looking at the last two chapters. And it's so, so hope-filled and so glorious to look at the day when every tear will be dried. God will dry every tear from our eyes, and he will eradicate evil from the world. So we will be saved from the presence of sin. If you want 25 cent theological terms, that's justification, saved from the penalty of our sin. We are being saved. Sanctification is being saved in the present. Glorification, we will be saved in the future. That's the picture that Romans paints, and that's the invitation in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will experience those things. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus. There's something that needs to happen for anyone, for everyone, to be able to call on the name of the Lord. And that's what Paul goes on to describe in verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul offers this really tight argument of this cascade of things that need to take place in order for someone to believe, who call, to call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to rephrase this just a little bit differently, but you can follow along in these verses and see what I'm saying here, in order for someone to call on Jesus, they must believe that Jesus is the source of salvation. In order to believe, they must hear about Jesus. In order to hear about Jesus, someone has to preach to them. And in order for someone to preach, they must be sent. So let's clarify, let's take for a moment and, and clarify the word preach, or the idea of, of preaching. Some, some of you may be reading a translation that says, how can they hear without a preacher? So that's not a great translation of this. Actually, the, the English standard does, does a better job with this when, when they say, um, how can they hear without someone preaching? The, the, the Greek word is not talking about a preacher as in like an ordained minister that stands in front of a group of people and does a monologue. Okay, that's, that's not what this is referring to. The, the Greek word is actually referring to anyone who is speaking spiritual truths out loud to someone who's listening. So the audience could be a thousand, could be a hundred, could be one. And so the, the idea is that we're proclaiming a message. We're proclaiming good news. 
And so don't let preaching hang you up. It's actually the, the same idea that we've looked at over the last few weeks about witnessing, being a witness. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. And so this is the same concept here. And so that includes you. It includes me. And we, therefore, are included in those who are sent. Jesus, we see Jesus sending his disciples in his great commission, according to John, at the end of the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And so we stand in a line of people who are being sent with this good news about Jesus. And just, just I'll pause here for a second and just, just a personal note that some of you may be listening and to me and thinking, well, this is easy for you because you are a preacher. You are an ordained minister that stands up and does a monologue to people. And actually, I would say to you, like on a day-by-day basis, sometimes I think my vocation is a hindrance, can be a hindrance, because when I tell people I'm a pastor, that doesn't carry the same level of respect that it did like 50 years ago. In fact, today, it, for some people, it carries a level of suspicion because they've heard about all these scandals and they, there's a, just suspicion about organized religion and all of that. And so some people think when they hear, like, if they find out that I'm a pastor, if they ask what I do or whatever that comes out in the conversation, then they just think, well, you just want to get me to your church so you can get money out of me. I was actually having a conversation uh, just in the last couple of weeks here with someone, a a bus driver. I got into a conversation with a bus driver who was out here in the parking lot one morning. And so we were talking, and I was just asking him, are you involved anywhere in a church? And I was bridging the conversation to spiritual things. And he he told me, um, we we got into some really good spiritual conversation, but in the course of that, he said, said, I could never come to your church because he said, I just, I'm really scraping to make ends meet, and I, I just, I don't have any money to give to your church. And I said, well, you know, it's actually free to come. Like, <laughs> you, you don't have to pay anything. And that's not what, uh, yeah, it's not what we're after. I mean, we really, God wants to give you something. But see, this is the mentality that some, some people have. And so anyway, I say all of that to say you may actually have a leg up on, on me as you bridge into spiritual conversations. And I, I also just, in saying this, want to give a shout out to our families who are building relationships in the community. As, as Jeremy alluded to the, the shooting tragedy a few weeks ago, when we opened up the, the church on Wednesday night for community support night, the, the people, the guests that we had come through our doors from the community who are not part of Grace Point, every single one of them came because they had a personal relationship with someone here at the church. That, that was advertised actually in the patch, and so it went out all over the place, but we didn't get like floods of people coming in. What we got was people who had personal relationships, who had bridged um, that, that gap and so that's the key. As, you, as we continue to look forward to making an impact in our community, it's not going to happen because we just advertise a big event. I mean, the Family Fun Fest, people will come to that because you invite them personally, not just because we put out a, a blanket invitation. We have the opportunity to live every day as a witness for Jesus. The news that we have about Jesus is, is really 
beautiful. I mean, the, the last verse here, 15, Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, he's talking about beautiful feet. This is your chance, actually, to have beautiful feet if you never thought that your, your feet were beautiful. But the reason the feet are beautiful is because the message is, is beautiful and people welcome it. Here, it. here it comes. And so the, the message is beautiful, that you and I no longer need to live in guilt and shame because we can't achieve a standard that's impossible for us to, to achieve. I mean, who are we kidding? You and I can't even achieve our own standards that we set for ourselves, let alone the standard of a holy and perfect God. And yet this is why Jesus came, so he would meet that standard, so that he would credit his perfect record to our imperfect record, and he would ex make that exchange and make that available to, who does Paul say in verse 13? Who does he make it available to? Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. It, uh, when, when Paul says here, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, that, that word good news, be, before the New Testament was written, that word was used of a messenger who was coming from, from a war to report to the city what happened in, in the battle. And so people in the city are waiting anxiously, like, did, did we win? Was there victory? Did we defeat our enemies? Are we still free? And so this messenger comes, and they're hopefully bringing good news to say, we won. The victory's been won. We continue to be free. And then when the New Testament came along, the New Testament completely took over that word because the good news about Christ is so powerful that Christ has overcome sin and death. He has the victory over sin and death. And so as people who live in your communities and my communities live anxiously waiting for word, some kind of word, positive word of, of victory, we have the opportunity to bring good news and proclaim the victory of Christ to them. It's our calling to, to make disciples as we are going to be witnesses for Jesus, live every day as a witness for Jesus. I want you to hear from someone this morning who makes it a practice to do this on a regular basis and has really inspired me. I'm going to ask Scott Eckert to come and join me up here. You'll recognize Scott from playing lead guitar, and uh, he was actually just playing up here this morning. Sometimes he even leads us in worship. We'll be seeing you leading us in worship this, this summer. But last, last summer, Scott and I got together for breakfast to talk about Scott and his wife uh, leading a small group. And we talked about that, but we got onto this whole other topic that I wasn't expecting. And that is this very unique practice that you, I, it, I think it's unique, that you do, uh, that you use your lunch hour for. So would you tell us about that? I, I will. Come on. Uh, I do have to say it, it does feel a little, I feel a little exposed without the guitar in front of me. I feel like maybe I should put that on. <laughs> Or would you feel more using my speaking voice without asking, would you please stand or would you please sit? Like maybe I should sing this. But I, I work in New York, which has a population of 8 million people, and thousands and thousands of them are on the street at any particular time. So I get a 45-minute uh, lunch break, and when I'm able to take advantage of it, I like to go outside, break up my day, get some fresh air. But while I walk around, I try to scan and look for people that I could maybe approach and initiate a conversation with so I can share the gospel with them. 
All right, and so, so and you do that, you kind of set some goals for that, right? You're, you're like very purposeful about this. I do, I, I try to do it every day, you know, every work day that I can, and uh, it's just become like a little, uh, I jokingly call it a, a witnessing session, like a 45 minute session. So even on the weekend, I'll say, well, let me go do a session at the mall. Hmm. And, uh, and I try, I started just with the 45 minutes, but then I kind of added another little thing where I'm like, well, let's try to see if we can start a conversation with three people. Because I thought maybe I was getting a little lazy, like give myself credit just walking around. You know, I'll just walk around. And, and I thought, well, let's try to, that's a scary person. Let's go up to them and then you'll get credit for, you know, one person. So. All right. And so, and you shared with me a story that inspired you to start doing this that I found very inspiring as well. Would you share that with oh, us? Oh, it was an awesome story. My, my sister was here in the first service, but she was the one, she got this CD like uh, in 2006. It was called George Street. And she got it from church, and she had listened to it, and she said, Scott, you got to listen to this. You'll love it. So in the story, uh, it's, it takes place in London. There's a London pastor. He's preaching one Sunday morning, and uh, the guy in the back of the church, his face, a stranger he'd never seen before, a strange face, raises his hand. So the pastor keeps preaching. He thinks, do I, do I acknowledge this guy? Is this guy going to put his hand down? So uh, finally, he says, you know, yes. And the guy says, look, can I share my testimony? And the pastor said, uh, Okay, I'll give you like three minutes. The guy says, great, I want to share my testimony. Um, I, I just moved here from Sydney, Australia. Um, and a couple weeks ago, I was back in Sydney, and I was walking, I was visiting some relatives. I was walking down the street, and this strange little old man jumps in front of me out of a shop window. I was, uh, not windows, <laughs> doorway. And I said, stopped. He reaches out, he hands me a tract, and he says, excuse me, sir, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And he said, I was stunned by this. Nobody ever asked me this before. So all the way back home to London, I can't stop thinking about it. I'm troubled. Am I going to heaven? So he said, I knew a friend who was a Christian. As soon as I got back here in this area, I have a friend who was a Christian. I called him up, and I, he talked to me. And now I'm a Christian, too, and I'm here, and I want to fellowship with all of you. Well, the place erupts in, in applause. Ah, you know, welcome. Everybody welcomes him here. And uh, the pastor then resumes his message. So uh, the next week, this London pastor is scheduled to actually go to Australia to go speak in a church in Adelaide. So he flies there, and he, um, after one of his messages, a woman comes down to the front, and she asks for prayer. So he starts asking her, um, you know, what's your relationship with Christ like? Do you have a relationship with Christ? She said, well, let me tell you. Um, I used to live in Sydney, Australia. And three months ago, I went back on a visit because the shopping's great on George Street. I thought I'd get some Christmas presents. I was walking on George Street when this strange, weird little man leaps in front of me, thrusts the tract at me, and says, excuse me, ma'am, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? So she said, this distressed me, that question. She said, as soon as I got back home to Adelaide, I immediately, there's a church at the end of my block, I raced to the church, I asked the secretary, I need to talk to the pastor right now, talk to the pastor, he led me to the Lord, and that's how I became a believer. So the pastor is puzzled now, he said, I just heard the same testimony in two weeks from two different people. Before returning to London, he's got one more engagement that was lined up in Perth, Australia. So he flies there, speaks that morning, and afterwards the head elder takes him out to get lunch. So they're having conversations, just making conversation. Hey, why don't you tell me how you became a Christian? So the guy says, okay, well, you know, I grew up in the church here, but I never accepted the Lord. You know, I just kind of went along with it. I never really, you know got into it. And I, you know, I said all the right things, though. You know, nobody thought I was weird and shouldn't be there. So he said, um, 
I, I, you know, became a successful businessman as a result of that. People, you know, I became, got the position of influence in the church, became an elder. And he said, but three years ago, I had a business trip in Sydney. And so I was walking in Sydney down the street when this obnoxious, nasty, spiteful little man jumps in my path, thrusts this cheap garbage pamphlet in front of my face, and he confronts me with this question, you know, am I going to heaven? Well, I said, I, I informed him, you didn't know this, but I'm the head elder at my church. But he said the man didn't care. The man didn't even listen to that, didn't even acknowledge that. He said, I was enraged by this guy. You know, who does this guy think he is? So the whole way home, I couldn't think about anything else about how angry I am at this obnoxious guy. So I went to my pastor, and I thought for sure, I told him that. I thought for sure he'd sympathize and agree with me. But the pastor said he sided with the man. And he said for years he'd been wondering, you know, suspecting maybe I, my salvation wasn't genuine. And so we talked that night. He led me to the Lord. I became a Christian. Now the pastor heard three, three times he'd heard the same story of people coming to know the Lord from George Street. So he flies back to the UK, and he, has, he happens to have a pastor's conference lined up to speak at. So he thinks, I know exactly what I'm going to throw in here. I have a great, these three, the coincidence of these three stories, God's trying to tell me something. I'm going to throw this in there. So in his message, he, he tells this account. And uh, afterwards, four different pastors, older pastors, come up to him and say, we have to tell you, we've all gotten saved by times that took us through, through Sydney and being on George Street through an encounter with this little man. And, and then we went on to, be, to, the, to the ministry and we're leading people to the Lord. Pastor can't believe this. Following week, he's scheduled to speak at a missions conference, this time in the, in the Caribbean, so it's way on another part of the, the world. So he says, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my illustration again. I'm gonna throw this in there. Tells it, three missionaries come up afterward and said, we all got saved in the last 15, 25 years because of this little man giving us a tract. So uh, as it would have it, a year later, the pastor has a chance to go back to Australia and speak in a suburb of Sydney. So he asked the pastor of the church, he says, listen, hey, do you know by any chance a little old guy who likes to witness on George Street and hand out tracts? And uh, the pastor says, oh, I know who you're talking about. His name is Mr. Genor. I think he stopped doing it, though. He's pretty old and, you know, aged. He can't get out there anymore. Pastor said, I would love to meet this guy. So two days later, they go, he said, okay, I'll, I'll take you there. So they go to the, the man's tiny little apartment, climb, you know, walk up the stairs, knock on the door, and this tiny little man barely opens the door and recognizes the pastor and says hello, invites them in. He wants to be polite, so he makes them tea. And as he's carrying the tea back, he's trembling so violently that the tea is spilling into the saucer as he gives it to them. So they sit down, and the pastor begins to now reel off all these stories that he's heard about the impact this man has had. And all these people have gotten saved, and he notices as the man's listening, he's mesmerized. Tears start rolling down his cheeks. And when the, the pastor finishes telling the last story, he says, let me tell you my story. He said, I used to be a sailor on an Australian battleship, and I lived a crazy, sinful, immoral life. I did whatever I pleased. But he said, one day this caught up with me and I hit rock bottom. And he said, there was a, another sailor though who was there for me then. He said, this was a guy I used to torment for his faith and, and what he believed. But he said, this guy came to me and he shared the gospel with me. And it was like my life, he said, instantly, like within 24 hours, I did a 180. I was transformed. I was renewed by this. And he said, I was so grateful to God 
for what he did for me, that I made him a promise right then and there. I said, I am going to share Jesus with 10, in, in a very small witness, with 10 people every day as best I can. And he said, I try to honor this promise as best I can. Couldn't do it every day. You know, things came up or I felt sick, but I tried to make up for it other days. And he said, uh, I've done this for 40 years. And the best place to do it was when I got older and retired was in George Street because there's all these people there. And um, he said, I got rejected all the time, but lots of people courteously took the tracts. But he said, I have to tell you that in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of a single person having accepted the Lord until you told me about this stuff tonight. And the story on the CD ends by saying, Mr. Genor died two weeks later. Mm -hmm. So I thought, when I heard this story, I was like, oh my Lord, that story's unbelievable. Look at the impact this guy had. All he did was like hand tracks out. And then I thought, you work in a big city. You could do this. You get a lunch break. Why don't you try to hand out some tracks? Maybe God will, maybe God will do something like that. Mm. So that was kind of That's the impetus amazing. for me to try to start doing something. Yeah. So that inspired you. And then tell us, like, what does this look like now? What does the conversation look like when you walk up to somebody? Okay. Well, I, I started trying to do the, the, the Genor method and hand out tracks. But I found a lot of people in New York were just like, no, thanks. No. No, no. no. So I'm like, oh, I'm not... I'm not accomplishing anything here. So then I thought, okay, well, let's, let's modify, let's adapt. So I thought, I'm just gonna go and I'll ask, I'm just ask him straight up. I also heard another, uh, you know, another idea of what you could do, but it's not gonna work. Maybe it would work in, uh, in the, you know, the Midwest or something, but in New York, to go up to somebody and say, hey, uh, you know, how are you today? Um, did you hear about that story in the news about those people dying, you know? Do you ever think about death? Let me tell you. They'd see right through that. So I thought, let's just be direct. So I'll go, I just go out to somebody, I say, excuse me, can I ask you, somebody, it's hard now, everybody's on their phone. So it used to be you could make eye contact with somebody, and then you'd say, you know, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And no doubt they all think he's going to ask me for directions. So they all say, sure. And but then I say, hey, well, I try to ask at least one person this question every day. Today I'm going to ask you, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And that's when they go, what? And then they... They think, but they answer. They'll think for a second, mm, yes, I would go. Or no, not a chance, I'm going to have it. And I'll say, well, well why do you think? Why do or, you think? Why? or I don't believe in it. Or I don't believe in heaven. You no. get that a lot too. Um, yeah, I had a guy the other, the other week who was just, I said, well, did you ever, what if it's real? What if this is reality? He's like, I'll take the 1% chance that there's a heaven. I'll take the odds. And I mm -hmm. said, oh, really, man? Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. But anyway. They get that, but you know, I'll, so I'll say, why do you do that? Then I'll say, well, did you ever read any of the Bible? And uh, a lot of people say, oh, of course, I've read some of the Bible. So I said, well, according to the Bible, you can be sure, it says, which claims to be the word of God, and there's a lot of good evidence to believe it is. It says that you can get to, you can, oh, there's only one thing you can do to be sure you're going to heaven, and it's not being a good person. Do you know what it is? And that leads, they'll, they'll either guess or they'll say, I, I don't know. But that leads to being able to share the gospel. And then I, I usually follow the, I don't know if Pastor oh. Dave has that up here. Yeah. That little track that they have out on the, in the rack, it says, it, oddly yeah. enough, may I ask you a question? And it's, yeah. you know, good yeah. news and bad news yeah. this and this one. Yeah. And just that, you know, you go through that and there's a quick four verses and God says his word doesn't return void, so I always try to make sure I quote the verses, all have sinned. And uh, it, it's nice. So, you know, and then when it's over, I don't try to push him to repeat anything after me. I just say, any questions about that? And then I say, hey, I encourage you to think about this. There's nothing more important. 
and then hope that the Holy Spirit will do the same thing they did in the George Street uh, story. Mm-hmm. There, there's so much more I would love to ask you about this and, and get deeper into this. Uh, we do have these available if you'd like to pick any of these up um, at the Welcome Center and on a table uh, heading out the West stores here. But um, there's so much more that we could delve into, and you have so much experience in doing this. Uh, Scott has agreed to do like a three or four week class on this for anybody who's interested. If you're interested in that and you'd like to talk further and, and delve into this and just ask questions like, how do I deal with this situation when it comes up? Um, then just email us at share at gracepointpa.org. We haven't set the date yet for that class, but if you email us, we'll keep you in the loop on, on when that is going to be. Um, I love how you talked about that you adapted, like what what he would do with sticking the tract out and ask, asking the question wasn't working, so you had to adapt that. And I know since I talked with you about this, like I've kind of worked through some things of just figuring out what's, what can I do? That's, what kind of question can I ask? What kind of bridge can I make that's, that's genuine for me, but that, that bridges into those, those spiritual conversations? And so, um, again, just a lot more that we could delve into on that. So this is, this is what we're all about, is, is helping people become followers of Christ and to become fully committed followers of Christ. And so we want to celebrate this anytime it happens. We pointed you to a red rose this morning about a wedding. There's also a pink rose in there. And so what we want to do is anytime someone leads someone to relationship with Christ, we want to celebrate that, and we'll be putting a, a pink rose up, that, up there for that. So just let us know so that we can celebrate about that together, and we can maybe even share like a tiny snippet of that story or maybe a long snippet of that story, uh, just depending on, um, on how things go. But just really appreciate your example in this. Scott, do you have... Uh, a favorite story from over the years of, of doing this? Uh, the, the best encounters that I like are the ones where it's just, it's crystal clear that God has sent you to talk to somebody. So the one I always, if ever anybody asked for that, um, there was this one woman who was sitting outside of a store, just kind of by herself staring out into nothing. So I thought, oh, that's a good one. So I walked up to her and I, I asked her the question. And as soon as I asked her the question, she, you know, she kind of jerks and looks at me, and she gets this real scared look on her face and uh, doesn't say anything. So I'm just looking back at her, and I think, you know, she's going to say something at any point. Maybe she'll say, go away, or she just keeps staring at me. So then I think, did I offend her? Still has this frozen look on her face. And I think, well, is there something weird about my face? Is there something on that she's staring at? But then she eventually, she starts to talk and she says, in a very slow voice, I can't believe you just asked me that. She said, I literally was just inside the store, I work in there, and I said, she said, I was just talking to a coworker, and I, for, I forget now what, you know, there's something in the news that, you know, precipitated this, but she said, we were just talking about death and eternity and, you know, is there a heaven? And, you know, what do you think you have to do to get there? You know, and it was my break time, so I, I just decided I came out here to sit, and I was still thinking about it. And then you come up to me and ask me this question. Why'd you come up to me? So I said, uh, well, you know, I, I try to come up. I try to talk to somebody every day, like I, I said to you. But I said, I will say that before I started walking around today, I prayed to God. I said, send me to somebody who really needs to hear the gospel today. And I have to tell you that you were the first person, the first really good opportunity I saw. So God clearly wanted me to reach out to you. 
And I said, and oh, by the way, you can be sure you're going to heaven. You don't have to worry about death. And it's nothing crazy you have to do. It's what Jesus Christ did for you. And so I was able then to share the gospel with her. And uh, after I went through it, she just was so thankful. And she just kept saying, ah. she just kept repeating, I can't believe you came up to me. I can't believe you came up and talked to me about this. And so I, that one always stuck in my mind. I thought that was cool because mm -hmm. it's like, God, I mean, you see God's using you. Like God sent me to that person clearly. So yeah. that's one of my favorites. That's awesome. A divine appointment, mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah. So I, I'm sure that God has many divine appointments he wants to make with us. Would you, as we close this morning, would you just pray for us that we would watch for and uh, take those opportunities? I will. Lord, thank you so much for the gospel. Lord, thank you that we can have the forgiveness of our sins and we don't have to carry this guilt around. Thank you that we don't have to fear death and that we can look forward to an eternity with you, uh, happiness. Lord, I just pray that you would help us, give us opportunities to share this incredible news with people out in the world who are hurting and who don't know this. And I pray that you'd give us, each of us, boldness and courage so that when those opportunities are there and we see them, we don't walk away from them or, or get too scared to take advantage of them. I pray that you'd give each of us a heart and a burden for the people out there that are lost so that not only will we be open to opportunities that you clearly send, Lord, but that we'll be pre proactive going out there and try to reach them and get this message to them, Lord. Mm. Thank you for everything you've done. Mm -hmm. In your name we pray this. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Scott, thank you so, so much for sharing with us this morning.